Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Jeremy Kalmanowski, and today we're studying Eruvin page 50, or Daf Nun. To get into today's material, I have to refresh your memory about one of the premises of Eruvin law on Shabbat. Uh, when Shabbat begins, your physical place, that's where you are celebrating Shabbat, and you are entitled to move not more than 2,000 cubits in the course of Shabbat, not more than 2,000 cubits from the place where you are spending Shabbat. If you are in a town, the whole town counts as your place. If you are outside of a town, you have a basic four cubit, just a couple of little, little bit of physical space there that is your space, and then 2,000 cubits beyond your space. That's where you can move up because, uh, because Shavu ish ishmim Shabbat, each person should, says, says the Bible in Exodus, oh, each person should sit where they are and don't leave your place on Shabbat. You're supposed to be at home. Okay, so uh, in yesterday's page, we imagine somebody in the Mishnah on 49 Amud Bet imagines that somebody is walking along. They're outside of town. They're between towns. Shabbat is impending. It's getting dark. And they are, let us say, uh, 4,000 cubits from the edge of their hometown as this is happening. So if the person um, were to spend Shabbat where they were at that moment that Shabbat, that Shabbat hit, they would still be more than 2,000 cubits away from their town, and so they couldn't, they couldn't reach home. On the other hand, if in the course of your walking, you say, I mean, the principle of Eruv Tchumin on Shabbat is that you can say that I am at the, let's say, the far western, right now at this moment I'm at the far western edge of my 2,000 cubits. That means I have an additional 2,000 cubits that I can walk to the east. Now let's say that the 2,000 uh, cubits that you are at, that would put you within the tchum of, of your town, the 2,000 cubit ring around your town. So the person is walking along, it's dark, they can announce at the moment that, that the sun the sun is going down, I'm not spending Shabbat here where I physically am. I'm spending Shabbat at that tree, you know, Robinson's oak tree that's, that's 2,000 cubits away from me right now. And they can therefore walk to that 2,000 cubits, and then they will be able to, uh, and that tree, let's say, is, is only 1,999 cubits away from, from, uh, uh, their hometown, that, that will enable them to enter back into their hometown. Uh, but let's say somebody doesn't do that very well. There's any number of reasons why they might not do that very well. They might not be able to identify. First of all, they might, they might use a very sloppy phrase um, in, in making that declaration. The rabbis are lawyers. They like precise language, not general or sloppy language. Maybe, they, maybe the person didn't say, uh, you know, they said only under the tree. Well, that's a vague area. They've got to say at the root of the tree. Um, or, or, you know, any number of reasons why they might do a bad job. The, the, the place itself is too vague. So Rav and Shmuel argue about, uh, about 
the uh, the effectivity of somebody's poor statement. Rav is of the position that if they make a poorly phrased statement, they cannot move at all, nothing, Zippo. They have to remain in their four cubits. Spend the whole Shabbat stuck in their their own four cubits. Shmuel's position is that that uh, the person can go over towards the tree, but they can't then have the extended uh, 2,000 cubits. That they really have to to consider uh, their physical location when the Shabbat begins, as as the the, the edge of their 2,000 or the center of their 2,000 cubit uh, travel zone. Um, okay, uh, but what I want to talk to you about is Rav himself and uh, a way that he participates in this conversation, which has everything to do with rabbinic history, and this is pretty interesting. Uh, Rav and Shmuel have their two positions, and each of them is able to cite a, a, uh, an earlier teaching in support of them. Rav and Shmuel are the earliest generations of what are called Amoraim, that is to say post-Mishnah era teachers. They are the founders of the major uh, rabbinic institutions Whatever we can say actually happened in real history, uh, in in uh, you know the the political history of those times, we have very little data about. What we have, we have is the Talmud, and the Talmud understands that Rav and Shmuel were the founders of the rabbinic institutions of Babylonia um, in the in the sort of first half of the third century. Uh, Shmuel was a was a Babylonian. Uh, Rav, on the other hand, was, was a Babylonian who then went to the land of Israel and returned to Babylonia. So anyway, Rav and Shmuel each have a, a, an earlier citation for their position from the Mishnaic era sages. Mishnaic era runs roughly from the year we would call zero of the common era to around the year 220 or 200 or 220 of the common era. Um, and Rav has his position and Shmuel is able to parry it. Shmuel articulates his position and Rav is seen to parry the Shmuel's position with a much more abrupt phrase at the bottom of page 50, Amud Bet. <laughs> Shmuel has a great argument. It seems like Rav is out. Let us say that this is a refutation of Rav's position. And the Gemara answers on Rav, we have Rav Tanahu Upali. Rav is actually a Tana. He's actually a Mishnaic era sage, and he is therefore perfectly free to disagree with this important text that Shmuel has, has cited. To which you have to kind of say, huh? Well, Rav is not a Tana, Rav is an Amara. Well, actually, this is, this is uh, an interesting historical question. Obviously, you know, rabbinic history, it wasn't, it's like modern history that some, some uh, you know, legislator got together and voted that from from henceforth we are now Tanaim, or you know we're no longer Tanaim, we are now Amoraim. History was much more much more fluid. And Rav is a transitional figure. Rav's um, uncle was Rabbi Chia. Rabbi Chia was one of the final Tanaim, along with Rabbi Yehudanasi. The Talmud actually in in uh, Tractate Chulin uh, and Tractate Gitim both. Uh, State specifically that Rav was a student of Rabbi Yehuda. Now, see, let's you know, let's assume that the uh, there's a kind of literary embellishments to those stories. And on, in Tractate Kulin, uh, page 137, it states that that Rav and and uh, Rabbi uh, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi had a very intense intellectual you know relationship, and rivers of fire poured from one to the other, and the other students didn't even understand the depth of their teaching. 
Okay, the literary embellishments are probably embellishments, but let's assume that it is correct that Rav, Rav, whose, whose real name was uh, Rav Abba, uh, was a student of Rabbi Yehudanasi, and uh, according to rabbinic tradition, uh, both recorded in the Talmud and recorded in a 10th century sort of quasi-historical uh, quasi work, or re real historical work, but you know, not like not by modern standards, called the letter of Rav Shri Ragaon, which, which records the births and deaths of, of rabbis and, and their uh, affiliations. Uh, uh, Rav came after the conclusion of the Mishnah. He came from from Eretz Yisrael to Babylonia and was seen because of his being a student of Rabbi Hudanasi um, to to uh, have the authority to be able to do what most Amorayim can't, which is simply to disagree with their predecessors. Uh, it doesn't never happen that post-Mishnaic authorities disagree with Mishnaic authorities, but it rarely happens. And in Rav's case, there are five or six times in the course of the whole Talmud in which he simply says, well, you know, I have the authority, I, I, or the Talmud says on his behalf, I have the authority, I'm one of them, I'm a Tana, uh, and, and I can disagree. So uh, I think that this is an interesting uh, part of the rules of rabbinic rabbinic discourse. Rav Tanahu Upali, even though he lives in Babylonia after the Mishnaic times, he's still part of the conversation with Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer. Thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to studying again with you tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.